Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Super Bowl 58, the union connections. Players, yes. Stadium workers, no. A big day in the state of Michigan. Right to work, finally ending. And today on the show, the latest from the Communication Workers of America and Smart Local 24 in Central Ohio. Welcome to the Tuesday, February 13th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today, longtime supporter and sponsor. That would be the Communication Workers of America, CWA-Union.org is their website. And our first guest is going to be Mr. Frank Matthews, who serves as the Administrative Director for District 4, which includes five states, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And a couple things we're going to zero in on. Number one, the plight of Maximus workers. Now, this is a company. They're contracted by the federal government. It's the government's largest call center contractor. And they recently called on the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Biden administration to protect their workers from unpredictable layoffs and ensure that the administration's good jobs principles are applied to the company. Now, the administration has defined a good job as one where workers have job security with predictable schedules without discrimination. And the administration has called for employers across the country to implement these practices. However, the federal government's largest call center contractor, which employs about 18,000 workers, is ignoring all of this. They have become notorious for its rampant issues on low pay, racial inequality, job insecurity. In fact, the CWA has filed an unfair labor practice charge on behalf of all Maximus workers and against Maximus after a supervisor threatened employees with adverse job consequences if they took part in a lawful labor strike, a lawful labor strike. So we have a problem. Frank's going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about what happened last month where the uh, CWA partnered with the IUE and hosted what they called a reversing runaway inequality training. And this was for 70 newly elected union officers in Dayton, Ohio. It was an interactive workshop helping to spotlight the real issues workers face today and prompting participants to answer some tough questions about our economy and how we got here. <laughs> Boy, that had to be an interesting discussion. So uh, Frank will be our first guest later in the show. We're going to go to Josh Williams. Josh is a business agent for Local 4, the Sheet Metal Workers Union, smw24.org. And uh, we're going to talk about... Um, well, getting involved in the sheet metal trade, and it's booming in central Ohio with all the uh, construction going on with uh, Intel, Facebook, Google. Interesting part about Josh, apparently um, he's into mixed martial arts, and we're going to have a discussion on that. 
Does MMA have any practical use in the building trades? And a lot of that has to do with mental resilience. You got to be tough, right? You got to be tough. It's a tough job. It's a tough job. So uh, we're going to get into that and also talk about the the work in central Ohio and basically the sheet metal workers and what they do. They fabricate, install heating and air conditioning systems. They do architectural sheet metal work, shipbuilding, appliance construction, heater and boiler construction, precision and specialty parts manufacturing. I mean, they, they do it all. And this is a union that started back in 1887 in Peoria, Illinois. And they were called the Tin and Cornice Makers Association of Peoria. In 1903, the name changed to the Sheet Metal Workers International Alliance. And they were headquartered in Kansas City, Missouri. And then you fast forward to 2011. This is all posted on their national website, by the way. So in 2011, they merged with the United Transportation Union to form the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. Big union, big union. And as you uh, recall, you know, when we had the problems with uh, paid sick leave in the rail industry, they were part of that. They were like one of 12, maybe 13 unions involved in rail, which is very, very profitable for an the owners of rail, unfortunately, they're not passing that on. I mean, they make good money. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of issues there. But uh, Josh Williams will be our second guest right here on the show on behalf of Sheet Metal Workers Local 24. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson, Asset Management, offering fixed income, real estate, equity investment options to clients from coast to coast. Well, in honor of Sunday night Super Bowl, on labor, a service of the Harvard Law School, dedicated to the union and future union workers who made the event happen. This is a great service. I check it uh, every night. Well, days before the Super Bowl, a coalition of unions, which included the Culinary Workers Union Local 226, AFL-CIO Unite Here, and the NFL Players Association, joined forces to organize Allegiant Stadium's non-union workers. At an organizing event last week, the workers indicated that they sought a union for better pay, health benefits, and working conditions at one of the highest-grossing venues in the nation. I mean, you want a ticket. If you (laughs) want a ticket to go to a Super Bowl, it was about $7,000. That's just for one ticket. Now, there's approximately 1,500 non-union workers at Allegiant. That includes cashiers, ushers, maintenance workers, and concession personnel. The vitality of the NFL Players Association was in full display in Las Vegas as the San Francisco 49ers appealed to the union to address an overly soft playing surface at their practice facility. The president of the Players Association, J.C. Treader, indicated that surface conditions will be a key fight between the union and the NFL next season. A lot of players have complained about that over the years. Well, today... The NFL has 13 grass fields, which are associated with less severe injuries, and 17 turf fields. The union is pushing teams with turf fields to convert to grass and demanding higher quality grass care across all stadiums in order to promote safe and consistent playing surfaces. And again, most players prefer grass. In its annual pre-Super Bowl press conference, 
The Players Association asserted that the Denver Broncos violated the collective bargaining agreement signed between the NFL and the Players Association when the team threatened to bench quarterback Russell Wilson if he did not agree to adjust his contract. Well, ultimately, the team did bench Wilson, a strategic and probably illegal decision to avoid paying him an off-season bonus of, you ready for this, $37 million. In addition to weighing in on how Wilson was mistreated, NFL PA Executive Director Lloyd Howell also expressed a desire to make players shareholders in the league's franchises. And last July, the NFL adopted a rule that prohibited giving equity in the franchise to players or other employees. You know, kind of like share the wealth a little bit. Throughout the game, which was the seventh longest in the history of the NFL and the most watched, solidarity emanated from Super Bowl champ Travis Kelsey's box where SAG-AFTRA members Taylor Swift and Blake Lively cheered on the Chiefs' tight end. In September, Swift made waves for sidestepping studios and working with the union to distribute her heiress tour concert film directly in AMC theaters in compliance with SAG-AFTRA's interim agreement. It's good to know she is 100% union. By the way, Blake Lively, for her part, she donated $1 million to the Actors' Union Strike Fund. little backstory there on, uh, on the Super Bowl. And there is more. That stadium, just shy of $2 billion. It's the second most expensive stadium in the world. And it's also mostly an American-made venue. The steel made in America, but not Union. Nearly all of the structural steel in Allegiant Stadium was melted and poured by Nucor Corporation in Arkansas. Notoriously non-union. In fact, uh, the law firm, one law firm that represents them, because they tried to organize there some years back, and the company said, no, it's not going to happen. They said that uh, they believe unionization would make it less competitive and lead to higher costs. Well, you've heard that before, right? Good news today, right to work, ending in Michigan. It's a new day here in Lansing, said Winnie Brinks, Senate Majority Leader. It's time to once again make Michigan known as a place where workers want to come. Repealing the right to work law, which was enacted in 2012, had long been listed as a top priority for Democrats who took control of the full state government last year for the first time in 40 years years. Democrats had argued that the law allowed for free riders that received union representation without having to pay fees or dues. And without it, unions can now require all workers in a unionized workplace to pay fees for the cost of representation in bargaining. Makes sense, right? You're going to get the union benefits. You should pay for them. Michigan becomes the first state in 58 years to repeal a right to work law with Indiana repealing its in 1965 before Republicans there restored it in 2012. And then in 2017, Missouri's Republican legislature approved a right-to-work law, but it was blocked from going to effect because of what labor did. So in total, 26 states now have right-to-work laws in place. You may recall there were massive protests in Indiana and Wisconsin in recent years after those legislatures voted to curb union rights. And in Michigan, 
Thousands of union supporters descended on the Capitol. This was to protest in 2012 when the Republican-controlled statehouse pushed the right-to-work legislation without hearings. They pushed it through without hearings, and they did it in the dead of night. And you may recall then-Governor Rick Snyder said, oh, I really, I really don't think we're going to go right to work. Well, we really don't need it here. You know, I mean, this is the home of, like, the UAW, Michigan. It's not going to happen, and then it happened. And now it's over. Today, it is over in Michigan. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Are you looking for a new health care partner for your union members? Let Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield be your champion, making sure your members live their healthiest lives now more than ever. It's important to have a partner you can trust, one who understands the unique challenges unions face. Anthem provides a variety of options to meet your organization's needs and helps you control costs without sacrificing quality of care. For more information, visit anthem.com slash labor and trust. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. And before we get to uh, Frank Matthews, you know, we've been celebrating black history here on America's Workforce. And one individual I want to talk about today is Ken Kirk. Ken joined the Amalgamated Transit Union. This would be Local 1338 in Dallas, Texas, back in 1985 while working to support himself in college. 
1990, after taking a stand against discriminatory labor practices in his company, he was appointed as a shop steward, which began his leadership journey with the union. 1991, Ken was elected president of the local, went on to be elected president business agent in 1994. During his time as president, he grew the union from 368 members to, you ready for this? 1,500 members, 368 to 1,500. And during that time, he also served as vice president and then president of the Dallas AFL-CIO and the ATU Texas Legislative Conference Board. In 2004, Ken Kirk was elected as international vice president and has been reelected five times since. Well, so without question, Ken Kirk, his leadership speaks volumes, and that's why we salute Mr. Kirk for Black History Month. All right, let's go to uh, line number one. Welcome, a dear friend, longtime supporter of America's workforce. That would be Mr. Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America District 4. Frank, welcome back to the show. And I would imagine, I know a lot of unions are doing various things in honor of Black History Month. I figure, just want to pick your brain a little bit. What's uh, what's the CWA doing, brother? Well, we've and besides our um, paper publications that go out to members and retirees, uh, you know, during the month of February, we... A couple times each week, normally on Tuesday and Thursday, we uh, make a make it a point to honor somebody or make a reference to the significance of the month and the, the Black History Month. And um, it's uh, it's pretty exciting because even though you know we kind of we kind of do it in February of 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 each you know year, every year I you know I learn something, and I think I'm sure other people do that you know to your point on your uh your background on ken there it's like wow i did not know that you know so it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, if we if we aren't learning we're uh, going backwards and uh and uh I, I tell you what every year uh we um we have a, a group together that we call them our comms team that come up with uh you know good content and edgy things for our social media and and every year I'm just amazed at some of the facts and some of the backstories that they give. So uh, it's, it's just, it's pretty incredible. It really is. And I got to salute all the unions for what they've been doing. Yesterday we had uh, the secretary treasurer of the American Federation of Teachers, Frederick Ingram, and we had a really good conversation about diversity and the importance of knowing our past, you know, where we came from, the struggles. And, you know, Martin Luther King said it, and I repeat this on the show all the time, civil rights and labor rights, they are intertwined. They are intertwined, and we have to, we have to recognize that going forward. All right, we've uh, got a couple things to talk about. I was reading earlier about Maximus. You and I have talked about this company. First of all, I can't, I can't figure out for the life of me why our federal government decided to contract out that work here. This is a, they're, they're the largest call center contractor and they're not a good player, not a good player at all. Frank, talk to me about this. Cause I know the workers are getting really ticked off here. Right. Right. You know, back in November, we talked about, uh, about a group of them went on strike and, uh, <clears throat> since then it really hasn't gotten much better. Um, you know, this is the largest contracting group with the federal government. These folks do the the Affordable Care Act, they do the, the Medicare when you call in and need advice or need signed up. So it's a huge, huge uh, uh, company and a huge, huge employer. And, and um, you know, they, as a result of the strike, 
uh, we ended up having to file an unfair labor practice because some supervisors threatening consequences to the maximus workers for participating in the in the strike, which is you know flat out illegal, but um, mm-hmm. evidently it did not matter to them. And uh, you know, so here this month, the um, some of the uh, workers that imagine you know getting on with a, a you know you, you get hired by a company like this that's huge and they're a good company and you think you're going to be doing great and then your whole life's a yo-yo because they're constantly laying off playing with people's lives um you know if if one program shuts down they move it to some other people well you know the the employees wanting a voice at the workplace are like wait a second we're tired of being yo-yos. We're tired of tired of being treated by, like second-class citizens from a employer. And so, basically, uh, this month um, they hand-delivered petitions to uh, Xavier Becerra at the uh, National Press Club. Of course, he's the Health and Human Services uh, Secretary for President Biden. And uh, you know, basically, called to uh, you know called to him all the. Uh, the wrongdoings done by Maximus and asking that, you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, um, you know, the Biden administration has, um, you know, come up with a policy about good, uh, you know, that promotes good jobs and good job principles. And um, basically asking Secretary Becerra to, to take the petitions back to President Biden and, you know, ask them to, uh, abide by the good job principles. Now, hopefully that takes place. Um, you know, we do have a very worker-friendly president in the White House, and uh, I think getting that message to to them is a big step. But, uh, you know, uh, as an example, uh, in 2023 alone, more than 800 of these workers were terminated over the course of six months. Um, and it's, it, it, it's not fair how they do it. Many of them were given maybe 10 days notice, um, you know, and it's things like these that, that, that cause people to, to, to need and want a voice in the workplace. And, you know, that's all these folks want is to be treated with respect and, you know, Hey, we're working for the largest call center in the federal government and we're doing a job that needs done. People need to learn about Medicare. They need to learn about the ACA and in other programs and so um we're pretty excited for them that they were able to get this uh these um you know delivered to secretary becerra and uh and uh and and the like but um uh it's uh it's it's, it's exciting it's sad that they have to do it but it's it's exciting to see workers uh sticking up for themselves in their workplace and um and it and it really ties back into a lot of what we've talked about over the last couple of years is since COVID um, we're seeing a lot of this. People are, are, are wanting and demanding a, a job at work and respect at work because quite honestly, they saw how, especially through COVID um, unionized workplaces fared far better than non-unionized. So um, I know that ties a lot together, but uh, I'm really encouraged and you know, and these folks are sticking up for themselves, and and uh, you know the the call to President Biden was asked. So hopefully, 
you know, we'll get some response there from the uh, Biden administration about uh, taking their contractor to task, you know. Frank, you mentioned, what was it, 800 workers, this was last year, that were terminated over the course of six months. And and a lot of them just, they got like 10 days notice or less. Uh, Is this because some of them were speaking out or the workload change? I know these, they have these open enrollment periods. Obviously, they take more people in at that time. Is that part of it, or are some just saying, "Wait a minute, this this company stinks here," and then they get yeah. then then they get their pink slip? I think it's I think it's basically a lack of, um, if if anything, possibly a lack of a, a um, process, if you will. It's kind of like a supervisor at will thing. You know, people are very good if they if they know it's a temporary gig, it's a temporary gig, or if they know. But when you just get when you think you're, you're you've got a um, something secure for for a year, and then out of the blue you get a notice ten days in, I'm sure there's some shift. You know, like you said, some programs ending and that kind of thing. The the bottom line is though, with these call centers, it really shouldn't matter because one program kicks in after another, and you know sometimes you know this is our biggest argument when these companies move work to call centers overseas and outside of the u.s it's they do it with the flip of a switch because these calls can just be routed anywhere and why can't the same thing happen here with them okay you've got a group that's handling this you know you've got a new program popping up not that that's the case and some of it could be what you mentioned before about the um you know because the um the board charges were filed around supervisors holding uh, you know, the, the strike in November against people. So I think it's a culmination of everything, but, uh, the biggest thing to me would be is if you, if, if they had a true voice in the workplace and they knew the rules and they had a contract that said, okay, if they want to let you go, they can let you go, but they have to give you 60 days or, okay. If, if they give you, uh, the 60 days, they have to offer you the chance to do something else if it's available. You know, I, I, that's the whole thing here, and that's the whole thing about respect in the workplace. When you, when you put yourself at the mercy of an employer without a contract, and it happens to be maybe an employee that or an employer that the employee needs are the last thing on their mind. That's where you run into trouble, and that's where you know, workers finally say, now nah, we've had enough. We're going to, we want to unionize. We want to get a contract. We're tired of everything. And so um, I think that's the case here is that uh, just uh, may possibly a willy nilly process, you know. And this is yet another case in America where workers are paid so low that they have to go on government assistance. So taxpayers are picking up the tab and I'm reading yeah. here, and this is posted on the CWA website, CWA dash union.org 80 percent so four out of five workers surveyed at maximus report using safety net programs to make ends meet 90 percent have medical debt and we're talking a multi-billion dollar company there's a comment here from gabrielle scurry she's a former customer service rep in tampa tampa florida she said i've been hired and abruptly laid off by maximus twice since 2021 the company has deprived me of my financial security. The process has been an absolute nightmare. Even when I had a job at Maximus, I couldn't afford rent because my pay was so low. 
I've been yep. struggling with homelessness since November, and now on top of that, I can't receive medical care because I lost my health insurance. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and her job was to explain the ACA to people. Right. Can you imagine? Right. right. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. So. No, you can't. You can't make this up. I, shame on the Biden administration. I love the Biden administration for what they have done for workers, but you know what? They missed the boat on this one. They missed yeah, the hopefully, boat. Hopefully they're catching up, though. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would hope that um, this is a wake-up call. A lot of times you don't know till you don't know. And and uh, and I, uh, I'm thrilled that these folks are taking a stand and sticking up for themselves. Frank Matthews, on behalf of the Communication Workers of America, again, the national website, cwa-union.org. We're going to take a break. Josh Williams with Smart Local 24 will be joining us later in the show, back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. So let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America, cwa-union.org. Very interactive website there. District 4, he is the Administrative Director for Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And speaking of Michigan, Mr. Matthews, there's got to be some uh, champagne corks popping today. You know, today, February 13th, 
is the official end of right to work in the state of Michigan. How about that? Oh, yeah. Very exciting and very, um, a very big day. Thanks for mentioning that. It's, uh, it brings a smile to my face. I w- you know, you wish in politics as soon as the vote was uh, done that, that it changed. Well, you know, last year we overturned, we were able to get over, right to work overturned for the first time anywhere. And um, according to, you know, of course, political rules, 90 days after the session ended, that's when the new bills take effect. And that's today. And, and we're very, very excited. And thank Governor Gretchen Whitmer and, and Joe Tate up there, the Speaker of the House, and and a lot of really good uh, friends of labor um, up there that um, that uh, went to bat. And you know, the thing about it is, is is in Michigan, um, anything that you know, we've got some bills that are still uh, in the cooker, if you will, that we could, we would like to get passed. And one of them is a, a state call center bill. Um, and we've spoke a lot about call center bills and, um, and some other labor friendly bills. And, uh, since the session ended last year, uh, everything doesn't just die It um, you know, the bills that, that were introduced, but not brought up yet do roll over to this session. So, we're very excited about 2024 in Michigan also. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's what happens when you have a labor friendly house and Senate and a labor friendly governor that are more worried about working families than CEOs, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I look at it this way. One down 26 to go. (laughs) (laughs) 26 States have a right to work laws in place. Most of them are in the South there. And, And sadly, some of them, I know Tennessee has enshrined, right to work in their constitution, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's amazing to me how far lawmakers will go to screw over workers. I mean, it blows my mind. I mean, you know, I've been doing this show for a long time, and it just frustrates me that they spend so much time, hire very expensive law firms to go after unions or people that want to start a union. It's amazing. But anyway, anyway, let's uh, switch gears here. I saw this post on your website. And uh, when you say income inequality, you know, people's eyes light up. And we've got a problem here in America. I mean, CEO pay is off the charts, but we've got the very, very rich, and then there's everybody else here. And I saw that the, the CWA teamed up with another union, the IUE, to talk about this, and it was in, in Dayton. So uh, why don't you tell me what happened here? I think this is kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's, um, we've actually been doing these um, – uh, runaway inequality trainings for the last uh, few years across the country. Um, but uh, our manufacturing division, which is the IUE CWA, they actually, the, they actually implemented during their new officer training a couple weeks ago. And, you know, they had about 70 new officers there. And what's really um, incredible about this is, you know, everybody that goes through it, whether it's a, whether it's a three-day course, a one-day course, or a, or a, um, even a six-hour, a, a four-hour course. Um, we've got this runaway inequality program set up to where, and, and it's all about education. Um, even if there's like um, uh, coalition partners of ours or community groups up there out here that would like to um, to take part in something like this. You know, we have the ability, if we have the time and stuff, to make it happen. And like I said, 
we've got this course. It's a three in, um, you know, you can give it in three different ways, either a three day course. If somebody doesn't have three days and their group has just a day, we can do a day course or we can do a four hour. But basically what it does is it shows, it starts connecting the dots for people where how, you know, back in 19 and well, it actually goes clear back to the thirties and forties, but over time, and particularly starting in the late 60s, early 70s, how this is is a design by, by by corporations and CEOs and the chambers to 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 withhold um, money from employees that you know up to that point um, wages and benefits had always run pretty much railroad track right side by side with production as companies made more money. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the money to the employees and the, the shared profits and, and that, and wages went right along. That's how we built the middle class. Mm-hmm. Well, in about in the, in the seventies there, it started to split a little bit. And that's when you really saw the, you know, we've talked about flash where in 1970, the average CEO made 20 times the average employee. That's a lot of money still. And, and that's high, but okay. 20 times now we're, now we're running into the absurd figures of 250, 300 times the average employee. And while that employee's wages remaining stagnant based on inflation and the like, you know, we've actually been able to prove in several places that because of inflation, employees in, the, in 1978 were actually doing better than employees now, you know, and able to buy more. So, you know, that's, that ambition, that, you know, that's the runaway inequality that we talk about. And, 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 and that's not just pay issues, that's social issues. And, and it is all by design. And when you start connecting the dots to people that never thought about it before, um, it's pretty incredible. So I would just, I would put this offer out there that, um, if, if anybody feels like, um, you know, they have a group or something out there that would, would benefit by this training. If we can make it happen, um, you know, we'll, um, and especially if it's a, a community group or, a, or, a, you know, uh, that kind of thing or a, a, an organization, um, try to make it happen, but it's called reversing runaway inequality. And it's, uh, anytime you can get education is good. We talked about that earlier and, mm-hmm. uh, it just starts connecting the dots and, um, and, uh, it's, uh, I, I commend them for doing that. It's, uh, it's a, uh, and like you said, that's our, our manufacturing division, um, IUE CWA. And, um, they are based out of Dayton, Ohio, and they have a president named Carl Kennebrew down there that, um, is, uh, is, is doing incredible things. And, and their membership is, is very, very, um, very, very active and, um, you know, uh, and, uh, it's just encouraging to see, uh, see them do that, you know? Well, let's, uh, let's set up an interview with him. I know the name I've seen his name right. many, many times over the years, Carl Kinnebrew. So that, that is a subject we need to embrace. And, and the locals have to pick up on that reversing runaway inequality training. And they did this uh, last month for, uh, 70 newly elected union officers in Dayton, Ohio. It's important to get that message out there because what we have today, it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always like this. It was a different time in America. And today, CEO, everything is tied into Wall Street. You know that. Yep. It's all about, yep. they don't care about the workers. 
They care about the shareholders. That's what it's That's all true. about. You know, we got to make more. Pro- hey, we had record profit last year. What are we going to do this year? We got to beat last year. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And then we got to beat whatever we do this year. We got to beat it again. And there's a breaking point in that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I know we're almost out of time here, but real quick here, how are we doing on broadband expansion? You and I have had this conversation. The Infrastructure and Jobs Act provided a lot of money uh, for that. We're, we're almost ready to run through the tape on it. We're well, a lot of, as you say, the work is in the can or the work is in the, and the, um, you know, we've had, we've created a broadband brigade here in district four. And, um, and, uh, actually, uh, one of our vice presidents, Martin Zaliga, about a 4108 in Michigan headed it up for us. And, um, in Ohio, we had a local president out of Akron named Joe Snyder on it in, um, Wisconsin, a local vice president named Kwame Barnes and in Indiana, a local president named Tim Strong out of Indianapolis. But what they've been doing is going around working with the states. You know, the, the, the Biden infrastructure plan is, is, is starting to, uh, the rules were trickling down to the states, and the states were all required to come up with a plan. Well, our broadband brigade, they, what they did was they went out to the states and communities and to encourage the states to build into their plans High road employers, the you you know employers that use safety, the follow OSHA standards, and encourage fiber where well where necessary or when necessary or when available, I should say. So now most of these sta- states are coming up with their plans. So we're going to see hopefully some of the um, the the spoils of the hard work that these folks did, and when the states roll out their broadband initiatives, um, you know we'll see where a lot of the work is fiber. A lot of the work goes to high road employers. And, um, I think we're going to see over the next three to four years, uh, possibly the, the, the biggest broadband expansion in this country. Uh, probably the, the only rival would be that the rural electric authority back in the, the thirties and forties. And when, you know, 80% of the homes went from 80% no electric to, to 90% having electric within a 10-year period. I think we're going to see the same thing with broadband over the next few years. And and uh, I want people to remember that, you know, the hard work of our folks, but also the all of this is responsible because of President Biden's um, infrastructure program. And this is going to be not only communications, but bridges, roads. Um, we think you know, they brag about how good the job situation and how the economy is turning around now. This is also going to be a big shot in the arm. So uh, we can't lose sight of the fact that um, what we see over the next few years in this economy turnaround is is ties directly to the administration and, and how they value workers and value work being done here in America by Americans. Good jobs is a result of good policy, and we've seen that happen here. All right, Mr. Matthews, you take care. Frank Matthews, on behalf of the Communication Workers of America District 4, cwa-union.org. You take care. We'll talk to you next month, okay, brother? All right, Flash. We'll see you next month. Take care. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Josh Williams, on behalf of Sheet Metal Workers Local 24, coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America. 
delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's LIUNA.org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft. Org. Let's go to uh, Central Ohio right now and join Josh Williams. Josh is a business agent at Local 24 for the Sheet Metal Workers Union, website smw24.org, and they are one of many unions looking for workers right now because Central Ohio, a lot of work. you got the Intel plant, Facebook, Google, and it's just expanding from there. A lot of work for the trades, especially sheet metal workers. Josh Williams, welcome to the show today. Thanks for joining us. You have an interesting background here. I was reading earlier, uh, I guess you're into mixed martial arts, which is really, really popular, super popular. So uh, talk to me about your uh, progression into the trades <laughs> and how this is working out for you. This sounds like an interesting story. I'd like to get it get it firsthand from you, brother. Go ahead. Well, so the trades, I tell you, like a lot of guys, the trades were not necessarily my first choice. It was just so, something that I, I fell into. Um, I had been training and so I started out as a as an athlete uh, for at Ohio State back in uh, oh boy at this point the late 90s now, and uh, I had kind of been training in collegiate judo and got an opportunity to uh, dip my feet into the cage fighting arena. And um, you know I grew up in the 80s, so grew up watching Chuck Norris and John Claude Van Damme and all those kind of guys. So you know naturally I wanted to be a uh, a superhero so to speak. Right. So. Uh, I, I got a chance to start getting involved in that and started training in my late teens, early 20s, started fighting at 21, and I fought till I was about 23, 24. Uh, 
And actually, I can take that back. My last fight was when I was 25. It was uh, the year my son was born. And uh, from there, I basically had racked up a bunch of injuries. And at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of money in that sport. So my family kind of put their foot down and talked me out of continuing as a professional and start looking at other avenues. And that's where uh, I started coaching. And uh, so I coached for a couple of years. And oddly enough, one of the guys that I coached had joined the sheet metal union. And uh, he told me about it. I was looking for something to branch out and, and to start a new career. And um, he opened my eyes to it. I got involved. I went and signed up, went, got started in the apprenticeship program. And uh, 15 years later, here I am. Wow, what a story. So how's the the transition here? I mean, are, are you still doing any of that, uh, the, the mixed martial arts? Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm still a full-time coach. Uh-huh. I run a gym here in Columbus. Um, I've got quite a few fighters that have... I competed at the UFC, Bellator, PFL, all the big organizations around the United States. Um, every so often I travel to uh, corner guys when they fight. Um, and it's, it's actually helped. It's, it, you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of crossover between the fight game and, uh, and the construction trade, but you'd be surprised. So just like one of the easiest ones is just you know, how to deal with people uh, out on job sites, you know, we're in a male-dominated trade where there's a lot of ego sometimes riding out there. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of, lot of chest flexing and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of guys want to challenge you. And oddly enough, they don't always necessarily want to challenge you over your knowledge. They want to challenge you over your toughness when you're working out in the field. Right. And, um, I mean, basically coming from a room full of trained killers, that, that kind of thing never really gets to you. Um, I mean, some guys get worked up and they get, uh, take offense to it or, or what would be the word, um, can be taken aback by guys who want to challenge them. And this is just one of those things where it's like you get used to dealing with people, you get used to dealing with, um, attitudes and emotions and people get riled up and, uh, you know, you get easy, you get better at dealing with those kind of people, um, on a day to day basis. Well, what, well, I would imagine by now your reputation, your history here, everybody knows about you in uh, in local twenty four. They're they're not going to mess with you, <laughs> right, Josh? Well, I'm not going to lie. That certainly helped as an apprentice. It did. Um, I didn't get screwed with nearly as much as some apprentices do. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But you know, it. I also came through in my early thirties, so that had a lot to do with it too. Gotcha. So, um, how's 24 doing today? How are we looking? I know there's, there's crazy work going on down there, especially for the sheet metal. Well, for all the trades, but how are we looking? For all the trades. We're, we're all experiencing a, a manpower crunch, um, trying to find qualified guys to fill all the spots that we got right now. The demand way, way, way out, uh, outdoes the supply of, of qualified journeymen right now. So we have been working, uh, diligently on trying to up our numbers, and trying to deal with uh, the manpower demands of, say, Intel, Google, Honda, so on and so forth. And you think about what the sheet metals do. I mean, with all the uh, fabricating, the heating, and AC, this is so – it's important in all buildings, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to a chips factory and it comes to the high-tech stuff that Facebook and Google are uni- using, it's so darn important that they have all that that, that they have people like Local Twenty Four doing the work. That that's the important thing. Where where are you on membership right now? I'm hearing around eight hundred or something like that. Is that right? So we were about eight hundred about a year and a half ago. I'd have to see what our current numbers are, but I'm going to say 
closer to nine late uh, high nine hundreds as far as active members go. Yeah. Um, we we are trying to get, like I said, as many guys as possible. And the cool thing, as far as what we're experiencing here, is this is a workload that we don't really see disappearing anytime soon. So places like Google, Intel, Facebook, Amazon, all these uh, uh, tech giants, they're not in the habit of allowing their stuff to go uh, to expire or to get old or you know um, become obsolete. So once they build one of these big factories here, they're not about to just drop it and let it go. They're going to keep retooling it and rebuilding it and keeping it up to date, which basically means guys are going to be working for years and years and years and years to come. What are we doing to get uh, the future workforce there? Are we, are we going into the community? I mean, I have this conversation with a number of trades in central Ohio, and everybody's going crazy. And uh, there's probably some competition. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of competition among the trades. Hey, come over here. No, go over there. What's going on for 24? Well, we're doing our best to play nice with everybody. But obviously, like you just said, we're all hunting for the same workforce. Um, a lot of it involves outreach. We're trying to get out into communities that we haven't really gotten a strong foothold in uh, in the past. Um, Columbus is a very, very diverse city. Uh, we have a lot of ethnic minorities. We have a lot of women. We have a lot of, a lot of diversity across the board. But when you look at the construction trade, it is still, to this day, dominated by middle-aged men. Mm-hmm. So it's more specifically middle-aged white men. So we're trying to get our workforce to be a little bit more reflective of the population around the area, which is, like I said, uh, pretty diverse across the board. Um, we're going out in communities. We're getting on social media. We're hitting people up, um, you know, intersocial or interpersonal uh, relationships as much as we can to family, friends, that kind of thing, uh, radio advertisements. In fact, we're about to have a big conference today as far as how we're going to approach the manpower demands for the Honda LG battery plant. All right. You got your work cut out for you. Josh Williams, business agent, Local 24, the Sheet Metal Workers Union. That's the smart union, smw24.org. Keep in touch with us. You got a friend here in America's workforce. We're doing everything possible. We have a relationship with Dorsey Hager of the Central Ohio Building Trades, and so I know exactly how difficult it is recruiting workers. So stay safe and stay strong. Okay, brother. We appreciate it. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's workforce coming up tomorrow. The latest from the international brotherhood of teamsters until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a show. America's workforce is a production of labor tools and BMA media group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.